AMSA partner, Becker Professional Education, provides exclusive pricing to AMSA members for USMLE review preparation. Save up to 25% off their live online and live review programs along with their guided learning resources and extensive question bank. Visit becker.com AMSA for more details. Socializing. Yep, that's something you have to do. Many residency programs host an optional social hour where you'll meet and mingle with current residents from the program before the formal interview takes place. But do you know how to make the most of these interactions? Welcome to the AMSA AdLib Podcast, where you'll hear from med students and experts alike. I'm your host, Christine Camizio. While there aren't statistics out there about how many programs use social events during the interview process, it's highly likely that you'll come across one on the interview trail. You have the opportunity to talk with interns and residents, and it's your chance to feel out if the residents are happy, do they like their program, do they like each other. Keeping that in mind, this is still part of the interview process. You're feeling out if the program is a good fit for you, but you're also being evaluated on the other end. The social interview can be a bit of a mystery, lacking any formal guidelines or grading rubric per se. So we spoke with Dr. Jeremy Grayson, who spent two years as program director at Robert Wood Johnson Medical Center not long ago, and Dr. Allison Case, who is fresh off the residency interview process herself. First, we'll hear from Dr. Case. Dr. Case experienced a variety of different styles or approaches played out through the social interview aspect of her residency interviews. Many of the events she attended were at restaurants, where the program had reserved a room or area. Those weren't her favorite, however, because she found it difficult to have a real, intimate conversation in a public setting. What I really liked is when they would have the dinners at someone's house. So I did go to quite a few interviews where the, the interview dinner was at the home of one of the residents, either in their house or an apartment. Um, the food a lot of times was brought in, like it wasn't, the resident hadn't had time to like slave away over this meal for 30 people, but they had ca- they catered in food from a local restaurant, but had it in the house. So it was nice, people were hanging out on the couch, or if it was nice enough, we'd be like out in the back porch. Um, Usually there's some kind of beverages, so people are drinking, just kind of getting to know one another. It's a really nice time. Dr. Case points out that the scene you'll encounter at these social interviews will vary not only by specialty, but also by the programs themselves. And this will give you some insight into what you're really looking for in a program. What's interesting about these dinners, it depends on the programs you're applying to um, and the program within that specialty. I went to different types of dinners. I went to dinners where I felt, I did feel like I was really being judged, where um, where there's a real nervous energy from the other applicants too, which made it kind of difficult to enjoy just socializing because you felt like you're, you needed to be on, quote unquote. Nerves, everyone's worst enemy. Perhaps you're feeling nervous about this part of the interview process, or maybe you're not at all. Is there a perfect balance? We spoke with Dr. Jeremy Grayson on the other side of things to see what you should be keeping in mind. My name is Jeremy Grayson. I am a pediatric anesthesiologist at Robert Wood Johnson University Hospital. Dr. Grayson graduated from Jefferson Medical College in 1999. He finished his anesthesia residency at Robert Wood Johnson in 2003, and subsequently completed a pediatric anesthesia fellowship at Children's National Medical Center in Washington, D.C. in 2004. Dr. Grayson has been on staff at Robert Wood Johnson since then. He's currently an assistant professor and director of pediatric cardiac anesthesia there. 
but he also spent two years as program director about three years ago. Sometimes nerves are unavoidable. In fact, maybe a certain level of nervousness can be a good thing. So I kind of I look at this in two ways. One, I would say that I wouldn't be nervous at all because it's, it's a social interview and it's a chance for you to get to meet people in the program and see what kind of residents and what the kind of culture is in that uh, particular institution. However, that being said, I would say that you have to maintain a certain amount of, you know, being on guard during the interview. So I would say, you know, a five is probably a reasonable degree of, um, uh, of nervousness to kind of carry with you in, into that forum. Um, it's informal. It's supposed to be, you know, to meet and greet kind of experience. But by the same token, you are being evaluated by people there at all times. On a scale of one to 10, though, a five can carry varying levels of significance. From the outside looking in, what does a five look like? How is someone gauging you? What kind of energy should you be putting off? So I think that it's someone who's just kind of at ease in a social situation. They're not too overly talkative. They don't domineer the conversation, um, but yet they're not too reticent. So it, it's like trying to find that perfect medium between not overshadowing the residents because you don't want to kind of think that you're there and you're stealing the show, um, which is something that I've learned over time through my experiences. And um, you don't want to fade into the background and become like kind of a wallflower. Um so you, you're walking a fine line. Um, you want people to notice you, but you don't want to be too showy. Um, you want to talk, but you don't want to be too verbose. You want to be interested, but not overly interested to the point that it looks like you're, quote unquote, kissing up to the host, so to speak. It's all about balance. And part of finding that balance and easing your nerves is to prepare appropriately beforehand. But what does that mean? And better yet, when should that start? So I, I think the night before is probably too late. I think that really you've spent however long you've been on the planet kind of preparing for how to interact in social situations. So in a certain sense, you kind of are who you are at a certain point. You know, you are either talkative or not talkative. You're shy or you're outgoing, introvert, extrovert. You know, those kind of things kind of play out to who you are already. Dr. Grayson makes a great point. Be yourself. You shouldn't be looking to change yourself or who you are to fit into a program. This is where you'll spend several of the next years of your life. Make sure it's a good fit for you as much as you are for it. Dr. Grayson does recommend preparing by knowing about the institution, of course, and also knowing a little bit about the community where the hospital is. I think most importantly is to know about the specialty that you're applying to and to be able to discuss the life of that particular specialty and... Um, you know, what they do on a day-to-day -day basis. And, and you should be able to know what some of that is, even though the exposure that you're, that you have as a medical student isn't always a lot. And some people end up going to interviews before they actually have more than four weeks of exposure in a particular subspecialty. It helps to, to know, you know, what the, what those physicians do. During her interview process, Dr. Case built on that by coming up with a set of questions to ask residents that tied in both knowledge of her specialty and reflected her personal interests that she was looking to find or explore through a program. I had a set of questions that I pretty regularly asked residents, and that was either at the dinner or the day of the interview. For instance, I applied to family medicine, but I'm really interested in OB. 
uh, like within family. So I usually would be asking about how many deliveries people got, did people feel like they got some C-section uh, experience, even as family docs. I'm also really interested in um, addiction medicine. So I asked often, like, was this, did this program offer Suboxone certification for its residents? Um, did it offer like exposure to community medicine? Um, so I had a kind of a series of questions that I asked each program. Um, and I think for every specialty that is a different thing. Um, when I had been thinking about OB, my questions were really different, right? They were like, you know, I was interested in practicing OB in a developing setting or in a rural setting where we wouldn't have access to a lot of technology. So I wanted to train in a place where I was going to get to do a lot of open procedures, like open surgical procedures. So that was a question I would ask every place I went. Over the course of the interview process, you'll also find that there are certain questions that can be a waste of time to talk about because they're really going to be the same across the board. Dr. Case discovered this along the way, and Dr. Grayson agrees that it can reach a point where it begins to reflect negatively on the candidate. I think that a lot of medical students want to know about workload, and I think they want to know about the call system, and I think they want to know about salaries, and they want to know about benefits, and all, all those things um, are important, but I think you want to ask about them in a way that doesn't make it sound like you're looking to get off easy. Um, I've had experiences with students that you can tell are looking to find the easiest residency spot that they can find in a particular, you know, in, for me, it's anesthesia. So they, you know, they're look, asking a lot of questions about call and how often you're off and what kind of vacations you get. Um, and to be honest, like a lot of that is kind of standard across um, given specialties in this point in time. So you ask the question, but don't belabor it, I guess. And, um, you know, listen to what the residents say, but don't get crazy about, you know, am I up all night doing work? Am I, you know, am I going to be exhausted? Am I going to have time to read? You know, if you're going to a ACGME approved residency program, we follow all the rules that the ACGMA lays out. So the 80 hour work week rules are, are enforced and the, you know, the duration of time that you're able to work in a given period is enforced. So, you know, you can't work more than 24 hours straight without a certain amount of time off. So all those things are kind of go without saying. So, you know, you can ask the question about the call system and ask the question about, you know, going home, but then kind of leave it at that. If you start asking a lot of questions about it, it seems like you're trying to like get out of work and that can create a negative impression amongst the residents that you're, that you're in you know, that you're speaking with, because you're not really interviewing with them per se. It's more of like a, a get-to-know kind of thing, a meet-and-greet. It's important to keep that in mind. This is your time to get to know what everyday life will be like in this program, who you'll be spending time with, what kind of social environment you're walking into, are they dependable? The dinner should be lighthearted and comfortable. Although it's important to come prepared with knowledge of the program and questions for the residents, this is your time to feel out the culture of the program and also give them the chance to get to know who you are and how you'd fit into their environment. I think that the dinner, it's really nice to try to keep conversation light at the dinner, I think, because the truth is you'll have a million opportunities to ask your questions the next day. If the residents, you know, ask, you know, if you have any questions, then obviously it's great to talk about those questions, but I think keeping 
the conversation light is really nice at that dinner. It just helps you to feel a little bit like, okay, I'm not on right now. Perhaps casual conversation isn't your strong suit. There are ways to prepare for these interactions too. Socially, the questions that I would ask were, like, do the residents get along with one another? Do they like hanging out together? Because I think that a program where people like each other is generally a place with a good environment broadly, you know, it's a place where uh, you'll probably be happy if that's something you're looking for. Um, I think it's important for the residents to like each other. A question people always throw out is, if you could change one thing about your program, what would it be? I don't think that's such a bad question. That's, that's usually pretty informative. And she also looked to dig deeper with a bit of a fun twist. Uh, I think it's also okay to ask the residents what questions they asked. I think that's kind of an interesting thing to sometimes like throw back at residents and then see their response. You're not going to be the only one asking questions though. So I think in, in, in this forum, you know, where it's, you know, these are like typically dinners the night before interviews or the, or the day of it in the evening, or sometimes it takes place during like a luncheon during the interview day. I, I think for the most part, um, the residents that are there with the medical students aren't asking a ton of questions per se, except maybe like, you know, where are you from? Um, what do you like to do? Um, you know, they're not asking the hard questions or the more substantive questions that the faculty interviewees and the residency program director and the, and the chairman of the department are going to ask behind closed doors. This is more to kind of get a sense of medical students' ability to kind of fit in in the social climate that exists. Because each, um, each department and each residency program has a culture. And I think that what we want to try to do is find potential residents that are going to fit into the culture that we have, seeing what their interests are, seeing, you know, what they're like, you know, is it someone that you would want to spend time with when you're not actively engaged in work? And does it seem like someone who you could rely upon to be part of the team and someone that would be fun to work with? Residents and interns just spend hours mingling with you and getting to know you, and their assessment is valuable. Programs and specialties will take their feedback into account in varying ways. I think it ends up being very institutional and, and program specific. Um, it depends how many residents you're interviewing and um, how many times you're doing it, you know, during a given um, application cycle. So if you have a very large program and, you know, you and you bring a lot of people in during a during a particular interview day, you may spend, you know, some time after everyone goes and just kind of briefly talking with the residents, you know, was there anyone that stood out to you? Was there for, in a positive fashion, or was there anyone that stood out to you in a negative fashion? Um, I think in some of the smaller programs, you know, where it's like one or two to three residents a year um, that are very highly competitive, I think that there may be more to say, because I think the, um, the groups of people that they bring in might be smaller, but I, I think it ends up being dependent upon how that individual program does, you know, does their process. And I think every program, you know, does it differently. There, there are places where they may have formal meetings afterwards with everybody who's interacted with the applicants. And there are places where it may be, 
you know, kind of informal where they, every, they go home and the, and the residency director will just ask, you know, you know, so what did you think of the, these, these kids that were here today? So just how valuable is this part of the interview process? I would say it's probably one of the least important parts of it um, from the standpoint of the impact that it can have on you, on it making you. I, I don't think that it's going to make someone all of a sudden be like, you know, I want to rank this person in my top so I could definitely get this person. I think it could do more of the opposite. So if someone is a complete buffoon, you know, and is someone that obviously does not fit in, I think that that could prevent them from being ranked or, or, or knock them down really low despite having other good, you know, numericals and, you know, letters and those kind of things. Um, but I would say the, the actual interviews with the faculty members carry a lot more weight. But if someone does something really egregious and is someone that the residents definitely don't like, then and they report that back to the faculty, then it would be likely that that person probably would not be looked on as favorably when it came to the rank list process. Ultimately, remember that you'll be in their shoes one day. You're going to be that resident on the other side in a year. So just think about yourself in that position. Maybe this is different for more competitive specialties, but like for primary care, I, I'm in the position now of resident. I, I'm not there necessarily to judge the incoming, like the fourth year medical students at the dinner. I just want to get to know them because I mean, unless they say, unless I notice something blatantly wrong, <laughs> um, I just want to like talk to you about normal human things. And use this opportunity to your advantage to find the right fit for you. The programs I liked best were the dinners where I didn't feel like I was being evaluated, where I really felt like I was just hanging out with people that I liked and was enjoying getting to know and um, felt like they also, it was like a, a reciprocal kind of feeling that they just wanted to get to know me. It didn't feel like an evaluation. Um, and that that's great. Though I think those are programs that's the kind of program I was looking for, was a place where I felt comfortable and where I didn't feel like I was being judged. AMSA Adlib is brought to you by the American Medical Student Association. I'm your host, Christine Camizio. This episode was produced by Pete Thompson and myself. Joshua Caulfield is the show's executive producer, and Dr. Joey Johnson is AMSA's national president. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and thank you for listening. This episode of AMSA AdLib is brought to you by the generous support of Becker Professional Education.